like you said, it has to be something that fault. I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not my fault. Nothing warrants somebody treating you badly. Punching you in your that. face and giving you a black eye. Mm. Yeah. I'm not speaking of any sort of race. I'm speaking of a color. If it's white, it's not right. If this was you, if this was me calling you, when are you going to answer the phone? And then after you answer the phone, are you going to show up? And then, it, and then it, it, gave, it gave a parameter, amen, on how I need to love her. Talk about that. He says Christ loved the church. Oh, he gave his life. That man up. When that man walks through the door, he's telling man, look at my man. Come and give us your fine self. <laughs> <laughs> if right. you pushing that man and move. This is when you know you dealing with trauma in a light way. You get an envelope in the mailbox, you don't open it, you avoid it. Being avoided. Sit down. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, for women, I tell women all the time, you can't love that man past his pain. You can't, you know, and I hear it a lot. Oh, he just never had anybody to really love him. And, you know, and he he, he didn't have anybody there for them. So I'm going to be there for him and all of that. You cannot love him past his pain. And it's so unfortunate because it's the one that's there that usually gets it. They're the one who it, 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 they're on the opposite end of their uh, of the person the abuse of persons um, power and control. You know they're the one who's going to get it all. You know that most of the time um, we see that when a person is abused um, or the abuser is abusing, it's because they have first been a victim themselves. They were once mm-hmm. abused, and so they may not be able to get the get back or what have you with the person who abused them. So they pass it along. And it's usually with the person who's closest to them, unfortunately, that mm-hmm. gets it. They're the one who is um, now the victim is the one who's there God. for the abuser, trying to make it work, trying to be there for them, trying to love him through his pain or her or whoever it is that's the abuser. And you're putting yourself in harm's way. So, um, yeah, it starts out psychologically. um, And, you know, the the abuser is initially very charismatic. (laughs) Very charming. Charming, charismatic. Probably, like you said, you said last episode, the knight in shining armor. Yep. Yep, Mm. exactly. And then they slowly start, you know, chipping away at your esteem. They slowly start wearing you down, you know, to to have that power and control over you. You know, then they start saying things about how you look or what you're wearing or where you're going and, you know, all of that, who you're talking to and for how long and all of that, it it starts out very subtle, but um, it's not just physical. So that is one of the myths as Mm. well. Um, And then my third myth is, uh, domestic violence only happens when a person files out of line. In other words, um, when they do something wrong, when um, they don't uh, measure up to the expectations of the mm-hmm. other person, then that's when domestic violence occurs. That's mm-hmm. not true. You know, that's not true at all. I don't have to do something wrong in order for domestic violence to occur. Mm. If that pop, if that person who's the abuser 
wants to abuse, it doesn't mean that I've done something to promote that mm. or provoke that. Hmm. I don't have to promote a vote or, or none of that, you know, for a person to abuse me. That's not like saying I'm at fault. And better and better yet, how about this? Even if I did do something, it doesn't warrant you to put your hands on me exactly. or treat me bad. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's in that same category of it don't matter what I'm wearing, it don't give you the right to sexually assault me. Period. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, for me, when I did say something, um <sighs> and God knows my mom, my mom loved me. I love my mom. My mom just didn't know what she didn't know. And mm. I had mentioned it for the first time to my mom. Um, this was years ago. And and I'm only saying this to, to bring awareness, not mm -hmm. to shame, blame my, my mm -hmm. mom. My mom is, is, is now gone, but she I know she loved me, but she didn't know what she didn't know. And she didn't know how to help me in that moment. But I had mentioned it to my mom. And the first thing she said was, what did you do to provoke that man? Mm, and miss that. Mm. It, that you don't have to be someone who provokes a person in order for that to occur. I could have done, and I'm not saying that I, I'm perfect or was perfect, not at all. But it doesn't mm. have to be that. It doesn't mean that someone have provoked them in order for it to happen. Mm. Not at all. <laughs> Oh, you know what, Mr. Ann? Remember that movie? Um, I don't know if you ever saw that movie called Surviving Compton. Mm -mm. Okay, do you remember the artist Michelle? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. I did. I did. Yeah. I, yep, I forgot so, about that. Mm -hmm. Remember how... It, did you see that movie? I did. I don't remember all the parts too, but I did. I did see it when it aired. Okay, let me tell you... I don't know if you recall, but it was a part in, in in the beginning where she was going back in her past and talking about how she had seen her mother and her grandmother get abused. Mm. So I don't know if it's that she's seen it necessarily or it, well, she did see her mother, but she also know that her grandmother was abused. And one of the things there, there was more physical abuse, but Michelle went through all of it. Mm. But mm -hmm. one of the things that she said was that her grandmother almost told her grandma did tell her it is normal for a man to beat on a woman. So unfortunately, she had already set her up for failure because by the time she Dr. Dre, they were in a very intense relationship. It started off intense and it always do with abusive people for whatever mm -hmm. art reason. Um, she was in this relationship with him. And the first time that he put his hands on her, she remembered thinking, this is normal. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because this is what my mom went through. This is what my grandma went through. Patterns. And so even in listening to that statement that you said about your mom, it makes me wonder, like, we got to watch what we teach our kids or what we tell our kids because it's a learned behavior. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Even you saying, what did you do to provoke her? It's almost like, like you said, it has to be something that fault. I did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not my fault. Nothing warrants somebody treating you badly. Nothing you in your that. face and giving you a black eye. Mm. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Nothing. But it but it lets you know. I hate to say this, but it lets us know what women in the African-American community are brought up on, which is survival. It almost has the connotation of this is what you deserve. Does that make sense? Exactly. Or like we don't deserve more than survival love. So every relationship we in, we have to be taught to survive. And that's not fair. But I'm done. That's a whole word right there. I mean, truthfully, (laughs) that's a whole word right there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. survival love. (laughs) That's what it... But if you notice how many women, more women than not, do you notice in the African-American community have to earn their stripes for love? After Mm -hmm. you cheated on me, went to jail, used up all my good years, beat me, do whatever you did. Then they go outside the culture and treat the next one good. But I got to just be okay with what I get. Yep. Exactly. But, that's, but I'm done. I know. Done. We go can go there. Train. I know. We can go there. We, we can go. We can go there because it <laughs> is the truth. Like as from one black woman to all the rest of us, we're tired of pick of taking crumbs. Like, right. you're not going to keep making me survive. Like I, I deserve to be treated with respect just because I'm a woman and black women stand by black men. I don't care what nobody yes. says. We are we loyal do. through we and through. Do. Yes, absolutely. But I want to thrive, not just survive. Me, I don't. I don't want to mm-hmm. get get the best. Look, the best part of you after you sick or after you need me <laughs> now. I got exactly. I get the best part of you. But all of my youth and my good years have been wasted up because yeah. I've had to. Mm, anyways, I'm listening. Yes. Ms. Yes. <laughs> I'm with you. And um, so for. A uh, fourth one is um, the myth is uh, that it should be obvious. It should be an obvious mm. decision to leave the relationship when abuse is present. That is uh, obvious. That's not true. It is not true. It's, it's not, not true. That's mm. just like saying, like, okay, well then that it should be obvious to leave a man after he cheat on you. Then, right? Exactly. Exactly. But it's not that obvious because it's so many different factors. It's so many different variables, you know, to uh, the scenario for some, you know, kids, finances. I mean, so many different things, you know, and then sometimes too, um, the situation can become more dangerous for that person toward the end when they're trying to leave. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Excuse me it can become uh, more dangerous. Mm. <laughs> My God, Miss Diane. Yeah. My so, God. Mm-hmm. And it's not mm. an obvious, like, oh, he's, <coughs> he's, excuse me, he or she is abusing you. Just leave. Just leave. It's scary for women or men or what, what have you that um, rely on their partner for finances, for you know mm-hmm. shelter or whatever it is you know it, it's it could be very scary and frightening um especially for women who if their partner never allowed them to work or um they don't have a degree to be able to get a job they've never worked outside the home before and they don't have uh the skill set or the education to to move forward that's a mm. scary thought <laughs> Leave. Mm. What am I supposed to do and where am I going to go? The, the the abuser has already isolated that person from their supports, 
you know, family members have now talked about that person and say, well, she must like it and she'll, she's going to stay. And so now they have ostracized that individual. And I'm talking about real life situations, people that I know that this has happened. And Wait a minute. Where am I they ostracized go? their family members? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's stupid. She's deciding to stay with them. So, oh, well, she get what she deserves. Whatever. Go ahead. I'm, I came with the foolery because you know what, Miss Diane? How about this? Talk about the women. Remember that song by Eve, Love is Blind and It'll Take yeah. Over Your Mind? Mm -hmm. What you think his love is truly not? If you look at that video, he killed her. And that's something? That happens more than we think, though. What about what about this, though, Miss Diane? What about the fact that they have um, isolated homes? For women, after they, you talked about this in, in the podcast, after they leave a domestic violence situation, they have to have isolated homes, right? Yep. Because abusers oftentimes go after um, the victim. Yeah. Um, okay. It's so many mo movies that display this. Enough, the movie Enough with Jennifer uh, Lopez yeah. is a thin line between love and hate with mm -hmm. Martin Lawrence. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So she was the abuser. Mm -hmm. She was the abuser. She <laughs> abused him. Uh -huh. And so I said all of that to say, um, it could be a dangerous situation to just leave yeah. a situation like that. Mm -hmm. It can be very complex, a very complex situation. And we should not uh, put that pressure on um, the victim and, you know, making comments to her <clears throat> such as, you know, I don't know why you're still around. I don't know why you're still there and you should just leave mm -hmm. and, Instead, just support, you know, be there for that person as they need you to be. Let let them mm. tell you what what you can do for them. You mm. know, and you just offer the help and that assistance. But, um, you know, especially if two people are married, then it becomes all the more complex because now, you know, both person's names are on everything or whatever the case may be. It's a lot more complex. And so I would encourage um for that individual to make a plan. If anybody is listening, you know, right now that are in such a situation, domestic violence situation, and you feel that there's no way out, God always makes an escape, you know, for you. He always provides that way of excuse, escape. Mm -hmm. um, but I would, um, I would say that we need to plan it because uh, it can be a dangerous situation um, if you find yourself, you know, having to just leave, you know, in the middle of the night or what have you, um, I would hope that, you know, you would have um, gotten copies of, and I, I, I don't know if we had mentioned that in the last one or if we, that no, was we didn't. That wasn't, and I'm going to mm -hmm. go through that too, things that we could do to try to help someone um, is being that support system, allowing them to leave copies of important documents at your home um you did say this i'm sorry you did mm -hmm. yep yep and and allow them to uh your your home to be a safe space for them and if you don't feel comfortable with that you can help them make a plan you know such as meeting you meeting that person um at the corner you know having a cold word or what have you so that you know that it's time for them they, they, are, they are about to run and you can help them um for their person that is uh, the victim of abuse, 
make copies of the children's, you know, shop records, birth certificates, social security cards, and, you know, your own and all of that. Uh, another set of keys, the car, the mm. house, what have you, all the important documents, driver's license and all of that. If you aren't able to retrieve or uh, take those items um, when you leave, if you happen to be in a situation where you got to leave right away uh, or just don't have the time to, to go back and get it or whatever the case may be, you will want copies elsewhere so that mm. when you're gone, you can um, move on a lot easier having those items at transition your out. So I have a question, Ms. Diane, I do. Um, what about the financial component? Because some women um, or men, they unfortunately don't have the finances to leave. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips for that by chance? I'm just wondering. If you don't have finances to leave, you know, prayerfully, you got a, a church family or you got friends mm -hmm. or coworkers or someone um, that would help you, you mm -hmm. know, uh, temporary mm -hmm. help. You know, and then also there are um, some places in the community that you can go to for help as well, in which <clears throat> I will provide that information at the end of the um, podcast. That would be great. So, Miss mm -hmm. Diane, okay, who child, you the gauge, my God. So that was number four. What's number five? Okay, so number five is wanting to be a savior. For those mm. individuals that, you know, it's a myth that you can save them. Mm. That's a myth that I'm staying because, you know, like we talked about at the beginning, you know, no one else has ever been there for him. Everyone in his life has left him, his mom, his dad, mm. or what have you. I'm not going to leave him. I'm staying. <laughs> mm. I'm not going to be that, that other person, that extra person that leaves him. And so although I, I understand that, you know, he's unhealthy right now, I'm just going to nurse him back to health. And you cannot save that person if they don't choose to be saved. Saved. First, they have <laughs> to even recognize that they need help. That need saving. You, you can't change. Change occurs through awareness. And if that person isn't aware that they need changing, then change is not going to happen. <laughs> Because you know why you know what, you know what Ms. For it all. <laughs> right. And the thing about that, Miss Diane, is what's scary about that. I think for a lot of people in relationships is that they believe, like you said, that they can love the hell out of somebody. Yeah. Literally. Literally. I can love that demonic spirit out of you. God gives everybody free will. And mm. they don't even change for God. Okay. Some people won't even change for themselves. Huh? Exactly. What makes you think they're right. change for you? <laughs> right. And I and I feel bad for anybody who believed that because it's not that you mean to, it's just that you really don't know. You really are so deep in at this point that you yeah. truly believe that you can make a person change, yeah. you know, or that you can be their savior. And my thing is, why does your why does your saving have to come at your detriment? Come on. Come on. It shouldn't. We already, God already did. Jesus already did it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't have to die. <laughs> he oh, already, my God, Jesus already died for me. 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh mm -hmm. my God. So yes. again, do you think that that saving is a part of that part where you said personalization? Do you think that's similar or mirrors? Yes, yes absolutely. Yep. And you know, you're standing mm -hmm. in, yes, we are standing the gap for people, but that's in prayer, but not, you know, we're trying to stand in the gap for that person and, and taking on their mess, their maladaptive behaviors as your mm. own, like it's your fault and it's your responsibility to change it, to fix it. You know, we have a lot of fixers out here. You know, it's a lot. I, <laughs> I have a lot of clients that think they are fixers <laughs> and they get why these projects. <laughs> why, do, why do you think people believe that they can fix that? Where does that come from? If you, in your experience, I know you don't know specifically, every situation is different, mm -hmm. but what is the personality type mainly of a person who thinks they can fix everything? It's, it's two types. It's, it's one who um, has that low self, low self confidence, low self esteem, and there are some deficits in themselves. And so then it's just easier for me to focus on the deficits of somebody else and fix them. You know, mm. it, it's that. <laughs> or it's that person who just feels like, you know, they, they have to have that control. Some women are very controlling, you know, mm. and they feel like they have to control every scenario. Mm. And so they get these projects to control. Mm. And that's a form of abuse as well. Really? And in the first... um section the first first part of this podcast you had mentioned that your I uh, believe your um I don't know if it was your pastor or someone you had mentioned that mentioned uh two ticks <laughs> it was Prophet Lowe <laughs> it was Prophet Lowe Prophet Lowe says that two ticks without a dog sucking the life out of each other yep. because See? they don't have anything else to suck out of yeah and that's what that could look like you know because then there's abuse going both ways you know, and then you have that individual who feels like I'm just going to stick around because I'm going to fix him. But you can't fix anybody. I mean, half of the time, the people who want to have so much control can't even control their own situation, though. Yeah, it's a fallacy. Why would you believe? Mm, never mind. It's and a fallacy way of thinking. <laughs> it is. And it's sad because... I know more people who are that way. They mm -hmm. believe that they can fix people. And it's like, why do you always need a project? Don't you right. get tired of projects? Right. Yeah. Sweep around your own front door before you sweep around somewhere else. And I really think it's rooted in if I get a man who's together, right? Or if I get a woman who's together, it, it really highlights my deficits, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they don't need fixing. They just want love. But because I can't do that, I think it's fixers are insecure. That's what I'm trying yes. to say. Absolutely. Their own insecurities, that self-esteem and all of that confidence level worth, you know, is low. For sure. Wow, Miss Diane. My yeah. God, Miss Diane. Oh, child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, like we mentioned before, you know, um, the uh, abuser has that need to oppress and the fixer has that need to, to control as well and fix. And so it's two all ticks without a dog. Two ticks without a dog. <laughs> wow. So it's yes. basically both of them wrong, essentially. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you see that brokenness attracts brokenness. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And that's what that could look like.
And then the last myth, because there could be more myths than the ones that mm-hmm. I jotted down, but these, but these are, the are your personal. I, yeah, I, I see on a regular um, that you can rescue the friend from the domestic violence situation. You mm-hmm. as the friend, that third party that's outside of it is watching, you're witnessing your friend go through this and you feel like you can rescue her. Oh man, I... I not to put out any names or anything, but I have a a client um, who recently was involved in a situation where I, you know, we talked about it and she sees now hindsight, how dangerous that was for her. And, you know, she really put herself in a dangerous situation. She went to the home to confront her friend's husband. Who he could have came not out. Not only did she put herself in a dangerous situation, but she put her friend. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, she, she understands now, you know, but uh, in that moment, you know, she's just looking at trying to save her friend. And I get it commendable that you love her so much that you wanted to save her. But we have to go about this in a proper way. You know, talking to uh, the authorities, if you have concrete evidence, um, even, you know, if you don't have concrete evidence and you just have the thought that or the idea that something is happening, mm-hmm. over there, you can ask the police to do a wellness check. Mm. Can I ask a question, Miss Diane? Can you vicarious trauma? You, we go through it all the time in mental health. Now, yes. one thing I can't hear about in mental health is kids being abused. That's why I, I never worked at CPS and I never will. I cannot because <laughs> I don't have the stomach for it. I can't even I can't even hear. Like It literally makes me sick. I, I, I don't know if I can explain it, but I go numb. Not mm-hmm. numb emotionally, but my body reacts to it somatically. Does that yes. make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, I said that to say, can you talk about the distress and the trauma possibly associated with that? Witnessing that, um, I feel like that's vicarious trauma. Yes. I feel like it could even come with some compassion fatigue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I have another client who similar situation. Um, and she started therapy because of it. She started therapy because she's been witnessing her friend who's married, um, be abused. And she's been trying to be there for that friend and, and, and what have you, but she doesn't know how to handle it. And so she's depressed having nightmares and all of that because of it, thinking Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's any day now she's going to receive a phone call that he killed her. Well, let's talk about post-traumatic stress disorder or acute Mm -hmm. stress disorder. One of the criteria, guys, for those, my non-clinical people, and that's okay, this is why we're here, is um, witnessing or being exposed to danger, even if it's not you personally. Yes. Yep. And then we see that with children in the homes mm. witnessing their parents being abused. Mm. Yeah, we would we we see a lot of that. <laughs> Ooh, and then God. we wonder why the kid is going to school acting out or, you know, they are withdrawing and, and they're isolating and all of that, you know, because something's going on. Mm-hmm. Wow, Miss Diane. Something going on. Wow. Wow. 
My God, this is so good, Miss Diane, because I don't even think on the first session we talked about this. Right. We talked about this myth, but I don't think we talked about the trauma that's associated with um, witnessing people go through abuse. Because I'll even say um, hypervigilance. You become even super aware, even if you just hear an argument, Mm -hmm. you notice yourself like not wanting to hear people argue because you're afraid of. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. like what's going to happen? Trigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, it becomes a wow. trigger. Yes. Wow, Miss Diane. Nightmares. You know, children having nightmares and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. Even um, attachment disorders, attachment issues, not wanting to leave their mom's side. You know, mm. because they're unsure of whether or not they're going to be they're going to come home and then mom's not there or what have you. Which, on the spiritual level can produce a spirit of fear. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you'll find people who they'll grow up and they'll cling to their own children mm-hmm. out of fear of what's fear. going to happen. Yes. Yeah. Um, Disallowing you to be your unique or genuine self. Um. And and what that could look like is, you know, anytime that you say something, oh, that sounds crazy. You sound stupid. Mm. <laughs> and then you start second guessing yourself, you know, mm. to the point of where now you don't even have a voice because anything I say is stupid.